The museum is one of the first places a student can feel at home in the art world. To take in its history, reflect on its current state, and find their own identity as artists. My name is Natalia Guerrero, and this is Avant, a series by Women in the Arts, Inc. to introduce you to the life, work, and legacy of contemporary women artists and art industry leaders. In this episode of the series, I speak with Catherine Page, who is the Curator of Art and Education at the Manello Museum of American Art in Orlando, Florida. That afternoon, we had just wrapped up the closing exhibition for the CSA at the Museum Community School of the Arts program at the Manello, and walked through the galleries together. I met with Catherine, as well as Maria Guerrero, the founder and director of Women in the Arts, Inc. We spoke about the exhibition the CSA students had focused on, Floating Beauty, Women in the Art of Ukiyo-e, and looked ahead to the Manello's next show, Through Darkness to Light, Photographing the Underground Railroad. Catherine also shared with us her work in art education at the Manello Museum and some of her thoughts for emerging artists. So my name is Catherine Page, and I am the curator of art and education at the Manello Museum. The exhibition that we have up right now is called Floating Beauty, Women in the Art of Ukiyo-e, and it is a full exhibition that has been loaned by the Reading Public Museum in Pennsylvania. And all of these prints are curated by Scott Schweigert. He has contextualized each of the pieces within women's roles and the varying roles of women and girls throughout um, Japanese society in the Edo period. In addition to floating beauty hanging in the main galleries of the Manello, Catherine had curated a complimentary show in one of its entryway spaces. What we have up as well is the exhibition ephemeral American artists and the influence of Japan and those pieces are either from our Manello Museum collection or they're from the uh, Michael Manello and Marilyn Manello Foundation and so they are pieces that we are able to bring on long-term loan to the museum to show these great artists these great impressionists these um, you know an American impressionist who who maybe their stories haven't been completely told yet. One of the paintings in the exhibit shows two young Japanese girls dressed in blue and indigo striped kimonos and seated in front of a wall or screen painted with bamboo leaves. One girl gazes out into the side. Her companion kneels next to her, carefully arranging her hair. We were interested in the story of this painting, which was made in the year 1900, more than 30 years after the end of the Edo period in Japan. And who was the artist who created it? Lila Kabapari is the artist and the piece is the Japanese children. I have that piece as the, the entrance for the ephemeral exhibition because it speaks so much to the, the entire history around both the Ukeoe uh, woodblock prints and their dissemination through Europe and through America and this artistic lineage of inspiration and influence that artists all take and look at and build off of each other's shoulders from. Mm -hmm. Uh, So within the context of the Edo period, 
the United States Navy came to Japan. Japan had been completely cut off from trade except for with um, the Dutch and Chinese, very limited in Nagasaki. So for two, three hundred years, they were they were very insular nation, and that this is where the art forms developed. And the United States Navy came and they forced Japan to open their their trade borders with them. So in that in that regard, it was either war or trading with Europeans and outside sources. And that ended up resulting in really unequal treaties with the Japanese. So that was just the beginning of that. But on the art side, all of those amazing prints that were either advertisements for kabuki theater shows or uh, beauty products, different pieces were in honoring the landscape and different spaces. All of those works really flooded along with other material goods from Japan flooded the markets in Europe. And so there was this huge uprising of consumerism and and getting what you can of the Japanese culture and showing it off in your home. It was this really big prestigious uh, look that you, you would put together. And that was really a part of the Japanese that's termed and so you see when you see all of the different either lanterns or kimono different uh, material culture in artwork that's usually referred to as the japanisma mm. of it and so that's the first kind of inspiration that you can really visually see and how japan has influenced artists is the inclusion of those but additionally the impressionist and specifically monet he um, really took inspiration from the the themes of the ephemeral of the everyday of really trying to capture those moments and he did them in his own style rather than these really great mundane scenes great details that are in the wood blocks he is specifically just looking for a time of day is where he goes with it um, in his next step and then very quickly reproducing that in what becomes known as the impressionist style the impressionist of an impression of painting so after all of that (laughs) monet is one of the artists uh, in europe who was able to collect also the the ukiyo-e prints and uh, really studied them himself and took great inspiration from them uh, especially in regards to how um, how he would set up his compositions so the asymmetricality of pieces also um, going in the outdoors and bringing nature specifically to it and the poetry of nature and the really the this great interest in contrasting patterns that also comes together from both art forms that they both really integrate and with Monet it's almost like those patterns are the patterns of light Mm. that he's putting together and so Monet is this big huge figure in impressionism he's you know a part of the naming of the of the uh, movement and part of the the group of artists who are are showing this work and it's controversial at the time so it's it's wild that they have been just creating marks on the page it's not 
super hyper realistic like um, the salons and the academies are really approving of at the time it's it's new and it's different so now getting back to Lila Cabot Perry <laughs> all the way on the other side over here uh, Lila Cabot Perry <clears throat> she was an artist who was able to train not only in the United States but in Europe as well and she was one of the few students that Monet took on in Giverny and they formed this really great mentorship relationship and it was very it was a very rare thing for Monet at that time to to work with anybody else he was kind of known as a curmudgeon at that point <laughs> so she, she really was one of the very few artists I was able to um, take advantage of that and work side by side with him and you can really tell that in her in her artwork she's got this very soft understanding of the light the piece the Japanese children there's this beautiful diffused light throughout the scene that you still the light is almost tangible and that comes from you know that really big insistence on that moment and the color and the scene from Monet. There's so much that's attached to Lila Cabot Perry. Of course, as the artist who she's working with uh, Monet, she's really one of the first American artists to bring Impressionism back to the States and to champion it everywhere she went to really encourage its adoption in the United States. So she played a, this huge role in Impressionism in the United States and she was directly attached artistically with Monet who was absolutely looking at these prints from Japan. Um, so she would have been as well. An additional layer to that story is that the Commodore of the Navy who opened up the, the borders for trade was actually the grand uncle of Lila's husband. So there's also this really interesting like historical connection and the reason why she was able to go to Japan um, and she's also one of the few artists who's able to work and study in Japan herself was her husband had received a fellowship or a position to teach English in Japan as well. So there's all of these different levels that are interacting here that are, I think are really interesting. I asked Catherine how she, as a curator, makes viewers aware of the layers of social and political context behind a piece like Japanese children. There's a lot of different levels that, again, that go into this. And I think we were talking about earlier, one of our previous exhibitions, The Shifting Gaze. The gaze is this, this very big idea that we look at often in art history to you know see who is either looking at the piece and why they're looking kind of really trying to uncover who does that and then who the piece is made for as well so us as the viewers if we look at Lila Cabot Perry's piece who who was her audience who was this made for it was most likely made for either the salons uh, to be a part of these new unjuried salons but also to remind and remember of either the beauty of Japan, but also at the same time kind of trying to encapsulate it and objectify it. And of course, it wasn't just Japan as well. It was, you know, women um, in general very often, especially at the time for how everyone was meant to be acting. In the tradition of the ukiyo-e prints, you have 
these very gentle scenes um, of mothers and daughters and different kind of uh, moralistic stories for, um, you know, how women are supposed to interact with one another and how they're um, supposed to dress. And it's a very interesting interpretation, though, of younger girls who are also being socialized as well um, into being a taking care of their um, their beauty regimen, essentially, at this point. Um, and then just highlighting honest, honestly the, you know, the, the beauty in those everyday moments. Now, with Lila Cabot Perry's story in mind, we turn back to the ukiyo-e woodblock prints shown in Floating Beauty. And we talked about how both these collections touch on the lived experience of women today. It's almost like the microcosm and the macrocosm coming together. So within Edo Piri, Japan, they are they're closed off and you and what we're what we're receiving is almost not the propaganda necessarily, but you know, posters and the social um, pressures about how to be as a woman, how to be as a mother, um, how to be as a wife. In Edo Piri, Japan, women were not um, even legally considered um, under the law. So they were only attached to their families. And what I think is also interesting about that is even though that's the case, there's so much autonomy in the women um, and in their lives and in their roles. These women were also very creative. They were able to uh, write poetry and write plays the first uh, kabuki actors were women there's there's this very big pride to them to to all aspects of life within the exhibition and i think probably for a lot of people what would be challenging is the uh, the sex work that was a part of edo period japan and factually it's there and you know there is sex work remains now and there's many different you know topics and conversations about the safety so I think that for me that's one of those really big things that comes up even beyond even beyond the mundane that we talk about um, it, it is it is life for others it is the everyday life that's coming through um, in reference to the importance of this exhibition for women and how we look at it I think it really shows a great variety also of life and of different life experiences that we all you know either we know people are going through or we don't know and I think it's a good reminder that not everyone lives the same exact way that we all do. Women in the Arts Inc. partners with the Manila Museum to provide a tuition-free youth program for students to explore the current exhibition at the museum and create their own portfolio of artwork inspired by the pieces on display. The Manila Museum has been working with our Community School of the Arts for the fall semester for six years now. It's been a really wonderful program that we've been able to bring different types of workshops to the students, to bring them tours of the museums, to really give them the access that uh, could be exciting and inspirational for their own artistic uh, expressions. So it's been a lot of programs developed around around that, but also inspired by the exhibitions too. So whatever we're learning 
is tied to whatever we have on display as well. So there's a great many ideas that we can do and change out every year. What's interesting to you about doing this specific type of art education like in the museum? In the museum space, it's, you know, it's just that really great opportunity where you're able to be there with all of the big names, those greats that are right behind you. And it's, it's almost for me, this, this kind of look back to when you would travel to Europe and paint after the masters in the museum spaces. I think that that's so cool. I, if I were to be able to do that, I would love to do something like that myself. As far as programming goes, what my big dreams are as we're moving forward are to really increase um, the amount of students that we're able to reach and work with and to be able to hire more artists to teach those students as well. I do love working with teaching artists because you're able to really discuss the decisions and the choices you're making and the solutions you're finding to recreating something, you know, from our three-dimensional world onto a two-dimensional plane often. Catherine walked us through her process for designing the lessons for this fall's classes on the art in the Floating Beauty Show. It's really going into, for me, the, the way that the artwork is being approached that I like to bring to our students. So being able to explore that and to literally take what they're doing and to expand upon it. And not just, you know, woodblock printing might be a little difficult right now, but we can do it in other media that are still con continuously inspired. So bringing in manga and anime into the conversation, which is something that is very accessible. And I think for at least for my generation, you know, is really something that we were all brought up on and that we all enjoyed and we can all connect with that, you know, we like to bring to the kids as well. Our second project that we did where they were able to really come up with their own story based around the four panel structure of manga. That is how it initially started based on Chinese poetry where you have an introduction to the scene and then you go into kind of the problem, whatever's happening and that's going to be solved or, or seen in the rest of the comic. And then in the third panel, something completely unexpected happens and surprises you. And then the fourth panel ends up becoming like that kind of tongue-in-cheek joke that you might get from other pieces. So what was really in, interesting for me with our students was being able to see their thought processes for how to create um, that kind of story on top of the single panel. I really encourage whatever kind of stories that they want, the, thing, the ideas that they're passionate about, the subjects, because it, that's, that's the beauty in it all, is the different voices. I don't want everyone to, to just do exactly what interests me and what I like. Our education was so such a great relief and release as a kid. It's definitely something that I think I want to bring to a lot of other students as well. You know, it was it meant a lot to me and I, I want to continue that. We also wanted to hear Catherine's thoughts as a curator on the next show to come to the Manello. Our next exhibition is Through Darkness to Light, uh, photographs along the Underground Railroad, and they are a series of beautiful landscapes by artist Janine McNabales. 
who studied and researched different routes and followed one specific route through the Underground Railroad to really give the viewer this first person visual of what that journey might have looked like for someone. And of course, it's, you know, contemporary and things have changed. So you grapple with those in the images, but, you know, you also see temporally the abolition of slavery was not that long ago. And all of these, many of these places are still standing with the Underground Railroad exhibition. There's, again, this whole history that is tied to slavery in the United States. So it doesn't even begin with the Underground Railroad. There's so much history that comes before. There's so much that is still in our current society that is touched by the remnants of that now. For me, some of the most exciting pieces that I'm looking forward to seeing in this exhibition are uh, the views of the Ohio River. It's really this space where on the other side, it, it's no longer, you're no longer in the South. That's crossing that, that barrier is, is this huge, huge image that comes across. What I'm finding interesting about this next upcoming exhibition is really just the memory of landscape. I think that's really fascinating uh, idea to know what the earth has seen throughout this time. And then the fact that we as humans interact with it and the stories that or the histories that are attached to those landscapes that notion really sticks out to me and then being able to put yourself in that kind of space to really empathize i think is is going to be one of the most important things that comes out as well and just remembering and honoring the amazing abolitionists who worked so hard and the escaped fugitive slaves who fought for their own freedom and autonomy again. I think for me, what ends up coming through a lot in these exhibitions is the real true autonomy of humans to, of course, save themselves and to live and uh, to protect others then as well. That was Catherine Page, the curator of art and education at the Manello Museum of American Art. And this has been an installation of Avant, a series by Women in the Arts, Inc., a 501c3 nonprofit organization dedicated to celebrating the genius of women. For more information about our mission and programs, you can visit www.womeninthearts.org or find us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Women in the Arts, Inc.